welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and returning today, longtime guest, friend, Andrew Trabala. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. It's been too long since we've done one of these, man. And oh, no. since the last time you've been on, the Depeche Mode episode has become my number two most popular episode. So kudos to you for that, man. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you, you have, your voice has been heard all over the world. I had a real good time. Including, including places that's like... That's awesome. I had a real good time talking about that. Yeah, you, your voice has been heard in Sri Lanka. Like, that's, like, the extent of the spread that of that episode. That is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. But today, we're going to talk about an album. This was actually Drew's idea, and I thought it was interesting. And I've been nervous to do this one because I'll, I'll tell my story why in a bit. But we're going to talk about Guns N' Roses epic, long-awaited Chinese democracy. And this is my favorite Guns N' Roses album. But I have some strange memories attached to it. Now, Drew Drew has an incredible story about this record and pursuing it and finally getting it. So we're going to start at the beginning. Drew, talk about getting into Guns N' Roses and talk about your story with this album because I know it's really good. So I'm just going to shut up and let you talk. All right. So with uh, Guns N' Roses, they were one of my favorite bands growing up. Like I discovered them. My, my dad showed them to me. Got really into them. Uh, just overall, I really loved Axl Rose's work particularly. Like, he was really dreaming. You know, slash a little bit too, but particularly Axl's voice. It just, it I feel my soul. And uh, so I've been, I've already loved Roses and like, you know, getting older, getting the internet whenever that was, you know, in its earlier days. And uh, I started Know, research and music news and stuff and I found out Guns N' Roses had like a new album coming out and this was in uh this was probably like the thousand let's say uh maybe maybe even the late nine probably nine two thousands ish um so it was right around like uh I'd say the early two thousands and uh, I started uh, finding out about the Chinese democracy it was the uh, I don't know if it was titled yet but they you know, it was rumors going around on Guns N' Roses forums. So I started digging around a little bit in the forums and uh, found a couple leaked demos. And uh, they they kind of blew my mind. I believe one of them was uh, Madagascar and the other one was IRS. And then uh, Better eventually leaked once I started following it. You know, you started hearing some leaked demos, and you'd see some random pictures leaked from them in the studio. And uh, so I started following this album, and I, eventually, like, there was a point where I kind of gave up hope. I didn't think it was ever going to come. I mean, it, it was in there for years. I just kept checking up on it. You know, every couple years, you might get a new leak. Uh, Three to Dreams leaked eventually, like a demo. That's to the point where it was like, I don't know if this album's ever coming out. It kept getting delayed, and then I kind of lost hope, and then I kind of forgot about it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden I saw on, a, I think, the Ultimate Guitar News website uh, that they it was coming out. It was, like, official, and I, I was super excited. So definitely that was kind of like my journey into getting into this album and I had very high expectations I, even though it wasn't the most well received record to ever come out but um, it, it has a special place in my heart <laughs> yeah and that that is incredible like you were really internet savvy in those days so 
Um, I didn't hear as much as you yes. leading into this record, but I did hear about it. So my kind of Guns N' Roses story fandom, you know, starts, you know, you hear in the songs on Classic Rock Radio, Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine. Sweet Child of Mine especially really appealed to me as a kid. I love that melody. And Axel's voice was something of a mystery to me. I didn't know how he sang the way he sang. And I was a singer, so that was just incredible to me. Um, and Guns N' Roses always kind of had a, like, they were always kind of, like, actively in my brain because... My mom was very much into me reading, so she would buy me, like, rock autobiographies and, and biographies and stuff like that. And I have read so many Guns N' Roses books. I have read an unofficial, an unofficial biography of Axl Rose. I've read Slash's book. I've read Duff's book. I've read Steven's book. Um, who's... I can't... I, if a member of that band has written a book, I've, I've read it, basically. So I know the Guns N' Roses story pretty well. And as for Chinese democracy, I remember finding out about it as almost like an offhand joke. Uh, I was asking my dad about Guns N' Roses, and he said some, something to the effect of, effect of, well, maybe someday you'll hear Chinese democracy. And I was like, what's that? Like, it just sounded so weird. Chinese democracy. And he goes, oh, it's a Guns N' Roses album that's supposed to come out, you know, but, you know, Axel keeps saying it's going to come out, but it seems like it's never going to. And I was like, huh, okay. And I had that in my brain, and it fumbled around for a while, and then... In about 2006, I kind of got a little better with the internet, and I heard some of the demos on this website called GrooveShark. You ever use GrooveShark? Yes, I love GrooveShark. So, yeah, I was on there, and I heard, I heard IRS, I heard the title track, and it was the title track was a different version. It was missing some stuff that's on the album. Yeah, I think I've heard that version. And I heard a, a song that didn't make the album called Silkworms. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. I heard that one, Yeah, I heard too. Silkworms, and... I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was not a good one. <laughs> There's a reason that didn't make the cut. Oh, God. And then uh, Madagascar, I think, was the other one I heard, too. And I thought they were really interesting songs. Like, at that point, also, I was kind of getting sick of, like, you know... I hear the same Guns N' Roses songs over and over on Classic Rock Radio. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, over and over and over again. I'm at a point where this is actually the first Guns N' Roses album I reach for if I want to hear some Guns N' Roses these days. Um, so when I heard it was coming out, um, I got really excited. I was like, so this is actually happening. Like, the impossible is happening. So I got it not long after it was released. I didn't get it right when it was released because it came out around Christmas. And I'm not allowed, and as a kid, I wasn't really allowed to, like, get a lot of extra music before the holidays. So I got it sometime after. And... I really enjoyed it. I love the different styles kind of coming together and colliding. Diff so many different guitarists, ideas, playing styles, industrial meets classic rock meets 70s piano ballads. You know, it's just insane. It was like such an explosion. And I love like everything kind of thrown in there and just seeing what comes out. It tastes really good musically. Yeah, I think it all works together really well. Like, And I feel like if maybe he hadn't delayed the album and been such a perfectionist about it, and it could have been released, like, you know, say in the 90s. Like, I feel like maybe it, it might have been, like, you know, mind-blowing to people. People might have loved that shit if it would have came out, right. you know, whenever it was supposed to. Because most of those songs, it seemed like, were done, you know, long before the album came out. So it was just firing and rehiring of 
band members and all the drama going on with with yeah. Axel. And uh, I feel like if it would have came out earlier and he wouldn't have pushed it back so much, it would have gotten the reception that he hoped. Or even if not quite that, it would have still been a much better received album. Right. If it had come out in the early, late 90s or early 2000s, I feel like it would have either at least been like a critical favorite or it would be one of those albums that, man... Man, when Guns N' Roses dropped Chinese Democracy, that was a game changer, man. Yeah, Everything yeah. changed, man. But, yeah, I but, felt like he waited too long to do that experimentation, and a lot of people had already kind of flirted with that type of stuff. So it wasn't so, as groundbreaking to the general public. It may not have been as groundbreaking, but the songs were there. Yeah, for sure. Me, His melodies are amazing. Oh, my God. And it still holds up. Like, listening to this was a lot of fun for me. But I'm going to tell you the reason I was kind of dreading this for a second. So I also have a weird association thing with this album. This album came out um, around the time, you know, I remember, like, what, what year was this? 2008, 2009? Yeah, I think 2008, yeah. Yeah, and I had, you know, I was, like, having my first girlfriends around that time, and I was having crushes on girls. And I associate certain songs, like, either with, like, having a crush on them or, like, a breaking up with my first girlfriend or something like that, and I hear some of them, and I cringe, and I think, oh, what a dumb motherfucker you were. Like, you, like the depth of these lyrics, like, means nothing compared to your dumb little junior high crush. Like, why were you like that? Stop it. <laughs> so it's just this weird little association thing I have. I've been trying to break my brain of it while listening to this album, and it's kind of worked. It's kind of worked, but, man, like, I remember, like, oh, she broke my heart when we put on Street of Dreams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely so resonated with Guns N' Roses a lot in in that way. Uh, uh, you know, they their songs just really hit me whenever I was younger and like you know first dealing with heartbreak and stuff. And those ballads and Axl Rose's voice, like it was just so you know soothing to a young broken heart. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, like he he Axl was right, but I was just I, I, it was dumb of me because like I barely talked to these chicks. So yeah, it's funny now. Um, one thing I wanted to note before I got into it is, like, let's go through all the guitarists we had on this album. You had Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails. Yes. You had Bumblefoot. You had Buckethead, who Axl Rose built a chicken coop for in the studio to record his guitar parts. You had Paul Tobias, Richard Fortas, Tommy Stinson, Brian... Oh, wait, that's the, that's the drummer. My bad. Yeah, we're out of guitarists now, but just all these people working on this album, and then... Right. Like, so many goddamn producers. It, it's a, like Roy Thomas Baker, the Queen producer, was working on this thing at one point. Like, if, if you could still get a hold of a physical copy of this thing, it's great to have just to look at the credits at the end because it's so Speaking long. Of Queen, did you ever hear the version of, um, oh shit, now I can't remember which song it was, uh, The Catcher in the Rye, the the one of the demo versions, Brian May played the guitar solo, oh and my it was way God. better. It was like classic Brian May. Oh. And like the guitar solo was so awesome. They didn't, it didn't make the album. Fuck, man! I didn't even hear that demo back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. If you get, if you, I would highly recommend searching the depths of the internet one day if you don't have anything to do and uh, <laughs> trying to find the version with Brian May because it is awesome god damn I, I'm, I'm sure it was a label thing but fuck man that would have been so cool oh uh, well that's that's sad and like spoiler alert that's a song i love so that makes that even sadder um wow yeah but let's jump into this bad boy let's jump into this fucking track by track 
Chinese democracy, you open with all these like little ambient noises and you hear a bit of like distorted, like kind of fuzzy guitar. And you know you're in for something different because like it's a totally different tone. But then you hear that classic Axl Rose kind of like scream and it kicks in and it's like Guns N' Roses 22nd century. It's, it's like so futuristic and different and classic at the same time. And vintage. It's very like it's kind of steampunky in a way like, you know, it's like retro future in a way. And I love this song. Like this was one I heard early on. I heard a different version of it early on, but man, this is great. And some great solos on this one. Just kick-ass opener for the record. What do you think, Drew? I love it. So actually, when I first heard, this was one of the first ones I heard too, the demo. It actually wasn't one of my favorite. It was probably like my least favorite of the of the songs that ended up making the album that I heard earlier on. Um, but it really grew on me. And especially once I heard the album version, like the official final version, it really blew me away and I really got into it. Like when I heard the album, I kind of was like, Oh man, they're even starting off with like my least favorite song. And then I was like, well, it'll all get better from here. But then I put it on and I was like, wow, they really upped the ante on this one. Like this is a jam. Yeah. I remember the vocal on the original being kind of meh. And yeah, it was like, yeah. it, it wasn't as beefy. So yeah, they definitely yeah. retooled it. They definitely made a bit, a better song. Uh, next one. And Another one of my favorites, Shackler's Revenge. This is actually, the this was an official single release before the album, I remember. I remember hearing this on... Yeah, it was also on Guitar Hero. Oh, it was on Guitar Hero, too? Yeah, that was actually, yeah, one of the ways it, like, kind of ended up leaking earlier on. Huh. Uh, because of the Guitar Hero thing. But yeah, that was uh, that was how I found out about it. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I like, it's definitely a jam. It was another one, like... Um, when I first heard it, I wasn't, like, blown away by it, because I was, like, so obsessed with a couple other songs I heard on the, uh, on the leaks that these were, uh, this one wasn't, like, one of my favorites, but that, this was also another one that grew on me quite a bit, especially after hearing it, you know, in entirety with the album. Yeah, this was an early favorite of mine, and it was posted on the Rolling Stone website, and that's where I heard it first. And I remember them comparing it to Nine Inch Nails, like, I, there was an article before the link to hear it. And it doesn't quite sound like Nine Inch Nails to me, but it's definitely got that industrial shuffle to it and, like, big, booming sound. Um, like, there's, like, I love, the like, the contrast of, like, the verse and the chorus. Like, you've got that. That's, yeah, that's what I like about that. I love that chorus. Yeah. And it hits that mo really melodic chorus. Yup. It's really cool. And I one thing, I, little side story, I used to make little, like, mixtapes to, like, play in the barn because I grew up on, the, on a farm and... I'd put Shackler's Revenge on one, and my dad heard me playing it, and he's like, what is this? I'm like, that's Guns N' Roses. He goes, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's really Guns N' Roses, Dad. And he just looked really confused. <laughs> yeah, this is a divisive album for fans. Yes. But this next one seems to be the one that, if if people know this album, like, like the general consensus is, I'm not a big fan, but I like better. And I'm about to be the contrarian. This is one of my least favorite songs on the album. Really? See, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> really? Yeah, when this one leaked, it blew me away. Like, when I first heard it, it was kind of like, because only, like, like I think 
maybe 45 seconds of it leaked at first. And then, like, I was on the internet for a couple days, and then eventually, like, the part leaked where it does the change-up, and it gets, like, real heavy with that little guitar riff going on. And, like, once I heard that, I was like, holy shit, like, this. And the way Axel's voice is when he's, like, doing that raspy, screamy thing uh, during that verse. Like, once I heard that, I was like, oh, this is the song. But, yeah, when I first heard it, the first beginning of it, I was kind of like, I don't know how this one's going to be. But then once I heard like heard it in its entirety it was like i was blown away it was definitely it's actually one of my favorites from the album for sure and i can't blame you for that either um like look i will say this lyrically i love this song yeah that's what it is the lyrics yeah i think lyrically this is axel strong writing but for some reason i don't know what it is i always come away from the song just kind of underwhelmed like i always kind of come away like "Eh, that was cool it was good yeah, but yeah. it wasn't you know blowing me away. Like it was okay, but I I get why you like it. I do. I'm not I'm not gonna like say it's terrible and you should like. It's not one of those songs, but for me, yeah, this is one of my personal least favorites. Yeah, like it might not be one of my absolute favorites on the album, but it's definitely like when I first heard it, I was really impressed, and it was like one of my favorites for a little while during the leak phase, and I only had a few to choose from. As the whole album came out, you know, I, I don't know if it's like. You know, maybe in like my, it's not probably not my top three or anything, but it's, uh, it's definitely one of my more enjoyed tracks on the album. There's three songs on this album that, I, that I'm kind of met on, and this is one of them. But the next one, however, this is my fucking favorite. Street of Dreams. Holy shit. Elton John, eat your heart out, man. This song is gorgeous. Like, it's a song about heartbreak. It's a song about a person being not who you thought they were. You had maybe this, you know, positive vision of them, and they just couldn't live up to it, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe it was your own fault. Maybe it was theirs. And this was like, you know, even though this was my little heartbreak song back in the day, I can still acknowledge, like, it's really pretty. I love the twinkling piano. The guitar solo sounds so much like Slash. You almost have to wonder sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, I fucking love this song. It's great. And he kept this in the set for a long time. He kept playing this over the years and even played it a few times with Slash. Yeah, I love this one. And actually, so this was one of the ones I heard first. This was one of the leaks. It was originally called The Blues. At least that's what the leak was called, the, you know, that I found. I don't know if it was ever tentatively called that by the band or anything, but it was going around the internet called The Blues. And uh, I think it was actually, like, there was a leaked, like, clip of it. And there was also, they had played it live, I believe, like, yep. long before the album came out. And there was, like, a, somebody mashed up, like, some of the leak clip with, like, the live version to try to make it into, like, a complete song. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I had that. So, like, I was jamming to this one early on. I love this one. Like, this was one of the songs when I heard it, it was, made me super excited for this album. Like, it just... I was so pumped when I heard it. I was like, man, if they got one song like this, I can only imagine what the rest are going to be like. Yeah, it is like it was a high watermark for me. And like for classic Guns N' Roses fans even, I always wonder like why this one doesn't get more praise. Because to me, this could be on Use Your Fucking Illusion. Like, yeah, that's what I've always thought. It definitely has that Use Your Illusion vibe, like an update, a little bit more modern twist on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Use your illusion vibes for sure. Right, like like Elton John playing with like '90s Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that's what this song is. And now we're gonna move on to this was a song. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, "This was the one that really like dropped my jaw." Like, this is different. Like, 
this is out there. If the world, flamenco guitar mixed with kind of like an electronic backbeat, and then like some more more industrial sounding guitar in the background. Buckethead playing the flamenco guitar. It's a strange little number, but I really enjoy this one. I think it's very melodic, and I don't I don't know. I love the groove. I love the feel. Um, and just, there's kind of like a darkness that hovers over it. To me, it's like the dark intro before the next song, which is the epic. But we'll get to that. Yeah, this was... This, now, this was a grower for me. I didn't hear this one on the leak or anything. This was... Uh, I heard it for the first time when I listened to the album. And definitely, I really liked it. it at first, it didn't grab me. It took a few listens before I really got into it. But this was one of the ones that really opened up to me. And as I listen to it, you know, more layers kind of unfold to it. And it just, I really like the whole vibe to it. It's just got, uh, it's got that real kind of chill vibe, oh, but yeah. like it's a real smooth flow to it. I just, I really enjoy just kind of chilling out, laying back to this song, smoking to it. It's definitely like a good smoke to song. It's like a warm, cloudy day. Not too hot, but not muggy yeah. either. It's, it's perfect. And it's, and to me, it's always like the nice little, like, it's the walkway into the epic. This is a song, This next song is one I know Axel worked on for a long time. He's even playing some of the guitar on it. Uh, there was a time, or as it was known in Axel Rose's unofficial biography, T W A T. <laughs> yeah, it was twat in the book. <laughs> it was twat. Um, I fucking adore this song. It's just kind of about like the rock and roll excess, like. I can just kind of imagine a young Axel in a mansion, like just a table covered with blow and girls asleep on the floor, broken glass everywhere, like just a debaucherous lifestyle. And he's kind of reflecting on that debaucherous lifestyle in this song. But it turned out really good. Like, I love the guitar solos. There's multiple. I love the way his voice goes up at the end. He hits some stupid high notes, like some insane high notes. I can't believe like he could he even had that in him. It's insane to me. And this was one that he, like, I, I think it leaked beforehand, but I didn't, I never heard it. Um, I heard it talked about in books before the album came out, but I never heard it before the album. But yeah, this has always been a favorite of mine. Um, I adore this song. I love the Eerie Choir. Um, yeah, just a great tune. What do you think? So this is probably my favorite song on the whole album. This I and I actually did hear this one earlier on. It leaked. I don't know if it was. It wasn't one of the first ones to leak, but it was definitely one of the first like full demos to leak. That was actually like pretty good quality, and uh, it blew my mind. It definitely changed a little bit. The guitar solos I think got much better on the final album version, but like this song, even the demo blew me away. I mean, he was hitting those high notes. Like you could just feel the emotion. It was unique. Like I loved all those like electronic elements to it. It was just like the perfect mashup of styles. And I, and I feel like for where I was musically at the time too, like I kind of just discovered industrial and stuff like that. When I heard it, like nine inch nails type stuff. Yeah. And uh, so it was like the perfect time for me to hear some, you know, guns and roses kind of merging in some, you know, a little bit of electronic beat in there and some soundscape type stuff. And then going into the epic guitar solo at the end, like classic guns and roses. Yeah, like, I don't know. Axel's just singing his heart out on that song. Like, towards the end there, like, there's, there's just, you can feel him in your soul. Yeah, it, it hits you in a way. There's a, this song hits you hard. Like, it, it's like a sledgehammer. And after that, you know, like, I often have felt like 
it's it's come too early in the album in a way for me because the next song is one of, is also one of my favorites, but I feel like I never got the full effect of it until like I kind of heard it on its own a few times, and that's Catcher in the Rye. Um, another kind of Elton John seventies rock song, really pretty piano. Um, I don't know anything about the Catcher in the Rye, honestly, other than it was like the guy that killed John Lennon's favorite book. <laughs> Um, and I do think the song's kind of about the Catcher in the Rye book, but I love the melody. I love the way the piano sounds, and I w really want to hear this Brian May version you're talking about because I already like the guitar on it, so I can only imagine how cool he sounds. Like, it's just a gorgeous... Yeah, I'm like, I'm 90% sure it was the Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. It's yeah. just a gorgeous, gorgeous song, and... You know, you know. Once you really wrap your head around it, after like getting over like the initial shock of there was a time, like you'll find a really good song in here. You'll find a really good deep cut. But yeah, it's Drew a great think. song in my opinion. Oh yeah, it, it definitely it kind of and that was the thing too with like with the Brian May version. It always kind of reminded me to have like a Queen kind of Elton John vibe to it. Like it, it was definitely it maybe wasn't one of my favorites. It, it's still it's just a good album cut like you say like it's definitely not one of the ones like when i list think of this album be like i want to listen to that song right now but it's definitely every time i listen to the album and it comes on i always find myself really grooving out to this and just really enjoying it nice nice well we move into number two of my three little um lesser tracks scraped i don't know what it is about this song but it's never really jived with me like i the one thing I like is the little vocal intro. Hey, 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 hey. But other than that, it's really not that remarkable to me. Like, I maybe would have... like I, I, I'm a fan of shorter albums, so I maybe would have just left this one off altogether. But, yeah, not a fan of this one. What do you think? This one's not one of my favorites. I kind of felt like they threw this one on there to kind of please like fans of like their older stuff to just throw a little bit more of a rock and roll-y, quick rock and roll-y kind of you know, a little bit more punchy. Yeah, punchier it's not, it's, song. It's not yeah. as electronic. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a little bit more like, you know, a classic rock band. Yeah, it might, it, I guess you could call it like uh, Appetite for Destruction-esque in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's got that, that groove to the guitar and the drums. Yeah, but yeah. when you compare it to some of these other songs, it's just... Yeah, it doesn't. It definitely does not live up to the rest of the album. I feel the next song, how fucking ever. As you want to talk about great rockers, Riyadh and the Bedouins. Man, this was a this was an early favorite for me, especially because I had a, I just got my first car at the time. I would crank the shit out of this song. It just sounded incredible, and still does to me. I still like just want to throw down when I hear this song. It's great. I have no, no idea what a Riyadh and the Bedouin is. <laughs> but fuck, it just sounds awesome. Axel is screaming his ass off, and the band is ripping behind him. Like I feel like this would be a good show opener because you've kind of got that weird, you know, ambient opening to the song. Like I could see like Axel like rising out of the stage as the song kicks in finally. Like it would just be incredible. Yeah, I love this one. One of my favorites. What do you think, Drew? I, I like this one too. Now I believe 
can't I can't remember for sure, but I believe this one leaked early on, but it was just like a really bad quality recording. So at first, I didn't really think I liked it that much, but I always remember it because of the name, because I had no idea what it meant either. <laughs> so it stuck out in my head, and whenever the album came out and I checked it out, I was definitely pleasantly surprised because the demo thing that I heard was terrible quality, and it sounded like shit, so I didn't really think... I didn't have high expectations for this song, and then hearing the actual song definitely changed my opinion on it. Exactly. I, I could see that. Yeah, that, that's a great one. And was played live a few times, so maybe you got a shitty bootleg. So Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> and the next song, you, you kind of get a little, you get another breather. You get a breather with Sorry, and another ballad. And I enjoy this one a lot, actually. I think it's really pretty. It's kind of a little more airy and bluesy almost. Um, you got Sebastian Bach of Skid Row singing backing vocals. Um, to me, this song always kind of felt like a middle finger to the old bandmates in a way. You know where to put your just shut up and sing. You know, nobody owes you not one goddamn thing. <laughs> so I've always kind of wondered, like, is he talking about the guys like, you know, Duff and Slash and Steven? Is he talking about them? <laughs> like, I don't know. He, he could be talking to like a chick too, but yeah, <laughs> I love this song. What do you think? Yeah, so this song definitely, uh, it's actually not one of my favorites on the album. Um, I don't know. I've always kind of felt like the lyrics were a little corny in this one. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it always, to me, this one always sounded a little bit just like Axel being an asshole, you know? <laughs> but I, do, I really love the guitar solo at the end. That like, is that great. guitar solo is great in this song. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I, that is a very much a redeeming factor. And I do like the melody and like the doomy kind of guitar kind of, it has almost like a doomy vibe, yeah. especially on that chorus. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like, and I, I don't know, when Axel sings in that lower register and just with the lyrics, I don't know, this one just never really quite uh, <laughs> was one of my favorites from the album. Never quite jived with me the way the rest of them did. He's been an Axel, and this is him yes, being an exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, like, I, I can't disagree there. I can't dis disagree that Axel isn't an asshole, but, yeah, I don't know. I have a soft spot for it, so that's my take on it. But the next song, here's number three, IRS. Like, I never liked this one. Never have. It's boring. It's kind of plaster to me. I've never, like, to me, it's kind of like you described Scrape. This is a bone to the old fans that, like, just, need, like, want to hear, like, Appetite 2.0. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like this could have been left off the record, too. Better I would at least keep on here. Scraped in this one, I would just toss. <laughs> what do you think? See, I actually really like this one. Now, it is corny, especially now that I'm older. But, like, this was, <laughs> this was one of the earlier leaks that came out, too. So, I had heard this, and I was a little younger, so, like, the corniness I didn't really notice so much back then. And uh, this one I actually really loved. Like, I love the melody of it, and just, like, I don't know, the way he goes from, like, that heavy part, and, like, then he goes to that little part where he kind of, I can do, you know, that little <laughs> part, and, yeah, it's just, like, it gets all smooth for a second, and then back into, like, the rocky vibe, and I don't know, I always just love the way that little change-up happened there towards the end of the chorus, back into the, into the verse, yeah. but I could definitely see why people 
don't like this yeah. one. <laughs> it, 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 it really never, uh, to me, it, it's kind of like out of place. Especially when, for me, the next part of the record, I, I call this kind of like the epic suite. Because yes, these next three yes. songs are all kind of big and grand and like, I kind of like to play all three of them together. Like, I don't, like, if I'm just going to go, like, for a handful of songs off this record, sometimes I'll just do the ending three. Starting with Madagascar. This was an early leak. This was an early song played off this record live. Um, I think it's gorgeous. It's kind, it's kind of got a section that's built around all these different samples, like, from Martin Luther King and the movie Braveheart. Um, I've never been sure what this song is about or why it's called Madagascar, but I love listening to it. Like, I love the build, and then I love, like, it kind of stops, and then, like, the samples come in, and, like, the band takes you through that part. And you've got Martin Luther King, like, saying all these, like, inspirational things, and you've got these movie quotes, and, you know, like, I love the line, like, all men betray, all lose heart. I don't want to lose heart, though. And then you can hear Martin Luther King say, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last. And then Axel kind of comes back in. It's just insane to me like this was a song we worked on a lot there's strings on there and they're live strings too they're not you know keyboard or midi like this was a song that had some love put into it and some heart put into it so yeah i dig this i think it's a classic i think it's one of the best songs on the album what do you think i would agree so this i actually think is the first song that i heard of the leaks that i found and this was the one that started it all for me. This was the song that really made me be like, holy shit, what what kind of masterpiece is he creating? And, uh, yeah, so I loved it. Now, I will say, there was, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a demo or a live version, but I do prefer the vocals from that earlier version that I heard. He sang a lot cleaner on it, and whereas he sings a lot, like, raspier on the album version. And I actually really like the way this song sounded with the, the cleaner singing style. But even with that, I still love the final version. I mean, the, the instrumentation sounds much better in the final version on the album. Um, but overall, it's definitely one of my favorites. Like, it just has so much feeling behind it. I'm, still, I'm not really sure what it's about either. But it's just one of them songs that, like, you can just feel it whenever he's singing. It hits you in a primal spot in your soul, man. Yes, I don't exactly. even know... Yeah, it's, there are certain things that trigger a response in you. You don't even know what it means, but you know no. it's real. And you feel it. You just go, yeah, I get it. I get it. And moving into the next song. Okay, this is there were three songs on here that still get played with the current reunion lineup. Uh, they are Better, Madagascar, and this next one. This I love. Um, this is Axel's big piano epic Kind of a solo piece, kind of a bit more of a sadder song, kind of about, to me it's about missing someone, or like someone leaving you. Um, I love his, his vocals kind of sound pained, like it, it's heartbreaking, and it's big, and it's grand, like this is meant for like, a, a, like an 80s power bad co ballad collection, man, it's just great. I love it, I love the guitar solo, and I love the way Slash plays it live now. Just, it's hard to put this song into words. It's one of those ones you have to experience. So, Drew, what do you think? So this is probably my second favorite song on the album. It's pretty close. It might even almost be tied with There Was a Time. But this is, I love this song. Like, there's just so much emotion in this. And this one definitely uh, got me through, you know, some times over some heartbreaks and things like that. Definitely listen to this 
a lot whenever I was going through it, you know, over a relationship yeah. not working out. And it's just one of them songs that kind of helped me through something I could really relate to. And just his voice, you can just feel the, the emotion, the pain in his voice and, and the writing. His writing so, like, poetic in this song. And it's just the guitar solo. It's just that, I don't know, as soon as he hits that first note in the solo, like, you can just feel the emotion in the guitar. And I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a feeling. And I always feel like after that song, you you wonder, where can you go? Where can you go next? And that's prostitute. And that to me, that this song is kind of about having integrity. It's also a little hopeful. It sounds hopeful after this. I love. To me, it's kind of like the sun coming up in the morning. Like it's a new day. It's a new start. And. There's a line in this that I, I like to quote, you know, I like to remind myself sometimes, you know, ask yourself, why would I choose to prostitute myself to live with fortune and shame? You got to be true to yourself. And this album is Axel being true to himself, the whole thing. This is what Axel loves, like, you know, the big guitars, the industrial noise, the scratchy electronics, the big strings, the choirs, the keyboards, everything. This is an honest statement, like this is who he is. And this song kind of ties it all together for me. So, what do you think? I think it's the perfect conclusion to the album. It, yeah, I would agree. It definitely ties everything together. Like, the whole feelings all throughout the album kind of all come to an epic conclusion right here. And it just, uh, I don't know, this song, it, it's a little, you know, it doesn't quite, I feel for me, live up to the previous track. You know, because that's yeah. like my second favorite on the album. But it's this is definitely up there. It just uh, this this is the last song on the album, isn't it? Right. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This yeah, it. yeah. This this I just felt like was it's a perfect closing. Like it's uh, there's it's something sums about it all up. Yeah. There's something about it. Like, and I will agree with you. I do think this I love is better than this. But, like, it's not really a melodic song. There's no real hook, but there's something about it. It's just essential to the yeah. concept in this whole thing. It's It has a lot way. of emotion in it. it has, I feel like it sums up the emotional energy of the whole album. Right. It's like, it, yeah, it was the conclusion. It's like, this is kind of like, the in, in, in conclusion, in summary, this is what I've been trying to say this whole record. And that was kind of the note he left us on. We haven't gotten any new music since then. Nope. And I think we could get some new yeah, guys and Yeah, there's a the possibility. I don't have super high hopes for it, but we'll we'll see. I think I think it's going to happen. I just think it's not going to be anything like this. It's not going to be as experimental or groundbreaking. I'd be surprised if we could get Slash to do something like this. I'd be yeah, really I feel like they'd surprised. probably just try to rewrite Appetite for Destruction, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> which I, I like bands that like take risks, like like keep moving forward. What's the next logical progression for this band? Which I understand can be hard to say since technically you went full studio album, EP, double album, covers album, breakup. And then Axel's kind of, you know, his Guns N' Roses album. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to know. I understand why it would be hard to figure out where to go next, but... I don't know, like, just don't, my, my advice to them, and, like, like they really need my advice, they've just done, a, like, a big reunion tour that's made them, like, crazy amounts of money that they're probably set for fucking life now. Yeah, but, yeah, like, Musically, like, a while. don't try and make anyone happy other than yourselves. 
Like, even if we don't like it, at least you'll be artistically fulfilled. Exactly. Do that. I would have a lot of respect for that. I don't need Appetite for Destruction Part 2. As much as some people would love it, I don't need it. Yeah, me neither. I'd rather hear I'd rather hear a continuation from Chinese democracy, explore some more of that industrial and electronic elements within the in the sound. Right. And go one step further. Like you've had DJs open for you. He said I think Skrillex opened for him before or yeah. something like that, you know. Why not, you know, bring in a producer like that or something or Zed. Like see what you can what you guys can do. Like Guns N' Roses obviously is meant to, you know, do so much more. And that doesn't and it doesn't mean like you have to lose the guitars either or you have to lose your rock and roll edge. Just try different things. Like you like you have like you did in the past. And I think that would be really cool. So Yeah, me too. That's just me. Um but in I have a question. Did you actually see the reunion tour? No, I did not. Okay, they I, came to Pittsburgh, but tickets were really expensive, yeah, so I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I've heard they're insane. And Yeah. yeah My physical therapist went to see them whenever I was doing physical therapy. Uh, he had went, and he he had a great time. He said they were great. Oh, yeah. I've seen video, and, you know, Axel has some off nights, and he has some good nights, but... yeah. You yeah, know, he so does everybody else. some off nights, but he definitely has those good nights. It still sounds great. Yeah, because, like, I'll be honest, it's hard to sing like he does. Now that I've studied singing, like, I don't know how he does it, man. Like, he's singing, like, in a very strange falsetto, and he doesn't have a big range. He has the falsetto, and he has that low voice he sings in, no. like, on Night Train. Like, that. that's about it. He doesn't have much to work with, and, no. he work, and he, he's got to work that all night, so... For these three-hour fucking shows, he does, <laughs> which is still insane to me. But yeah, that's that is insane. <laughs> yeah, kind of in some in summation though, like you know, Guns N' Roses has a very storied career. Career Steven Adler being you know this crazy you know heavily addicted to drugs guy. You know, Izzy's not in the band in, in like at all. He wasn't asked to re- be part of the reunion. He's just kind of you know in the ether sphere. How do you think history is going to remember Guns N' Roses? Rock and roll history, that is. Are they going to be up there with the Stones? It's kind of those rock and roll, debaucherous, crazy, you know, guys that left a huge in, like imprint on the rock world? I, think I, I would of... think so. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah I, just, I feel like they're just too legendary. Even if they don't have a ton of music, they just... The music that they have, those couple albums were legendary, and like right. their whole legacy and just the drama of the band, it's all very rock and roll, and it's just something. Hey, Amy, something that'll be remembered. Yeah, Sorry, I, my cat is destroying things. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Definitely they will be. Um, sometimes I worry they might get lumped in with hair metal, but I feel like that would be unfair to them. Um, they're, yeah, they've left a huge imprint, and to me... You don't need to make a shit ton of albums to be like part of rock history. Look at Jimi fucking Hendrix. You've yeah. got three, maybe four with that Band of Gypsies album, but man, you can't say he's not part of rock history. So. Exactly. Changed, you know, practically changed the world. Changed the way we play guitar. But this has been fun, man. It's good to have you back. This is going to be like the first episode that isn't, you know, part of my reviewing 2019 series. Um, thanks for doing this. Um, as usual, we're going to chat some more after this. But uh, let's tell the people next time, what are we going to talk about? So next time we're going to talk about uh, Lady Gaga's art pop. And that's going to be incredible. 
spoiler alert, we have some controversial opinions, and if you are easily offended, I'm going to still encourage you to listen, but send your hate mail to your asshole. That's what I say. Robbie. Yeah, send your hate mail to your asshole. Please, please do. Uh, to quote my, one of my favorite movies, Let's Go to Prison, please bend over and shove it up your ass. All right. Well, thanks again, Drew. Till next time, I am the Sly Dog. Peace, love, and music. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.